Proverbs, and Proverbs chapter 1, we've, we've already started talking about. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, uh, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear, it will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark saying. Hey, the, if you notice there, in just those first few verses, the word that's continually used is this word wise or wisdom. And that's because Proverbs is the book of wisdom. If you want to find wisdom in the Word of God, you go to the book of Proverbs. And so uh, we're just going to kind of lay some foundational things about Proverbs. Did already, but that was been several weeks ago. We did some other things. But the central idea of the word of the of Proverbs, I used to, uh, well, for years, I don't know how many years I did, but I taught a freshman class that uh, it was required for all freshman students. Uh, it was the book of Proverbs and because it's such a vital, vital book. And uh, they gave it to me because uh, some years ago, back about 1996, 97, uh, I heard my preacher talk about reading through the book, book of Proverbs every week. And so I, I decided that I was going to do that. And for two and a half years, I'm not sure why I stopped at two and a half years, maybe schedule changed, I'm not sure exactly, but for two and a half years, I read through the book of Proverbs every week for two and a half years. And and so I uh, got very familiar with the book of Proverbs, didn't, didn't attempt to, to memorize volumes of it, but yet a lot of it kind of got implanted into my mind when you read it, read it that much. Of course, uh, it wasn't all that I read during that time, you know, just, and I'm not saying that for my sake, but for those who hear that uh, I think we need a balance of the Word of God, the Old Testament, New Testament, Proverbs, Psalms. Uh, all that, but uh, so we continued to read those portions, but the book of Proverbs I read through every week. Um, so, and it's about three, and a, it's only really about three and a half chapters a day, and so, um, but if you look at um, this, uh, the central idea of Proverbs is basically wisdom for everyday living. Uh, my preacher also asked me one time, he said, what kind of teacher are you? And I still, even to this day, I have no idea what he meant by that statement. But I looked at him and I said, I'm a, I'm a real life preacher and teacher. I just teach people how to take the scripture and live today. Uh, I can't go any deeper than that. It's just, let's just take it factually, functionally. And, and let's, what, how can what I'm reading, what I'm studying, what I'm doing, how can that help me live today? So, but that's what wisdom, that's what Proverbs, I believe, is. It's wisdom for everyday living. You, you go through it, and it's going to tell you over and over how to live, how to, how to get through things, how to survive things, how to handle things. And so that's what it is. The primary words of, of Proverbs are these three words that we see over and over. And in this chapter one, you see them so often. It's, it's number one is the word knowledge. God talks much about knowledge. And knowledge is basically, though, is the accumulation of truth. Uh, you know, now, when we talk about world knowledge, it's not necessarily truth. It's accumulation of information. But when we're talking about the knowledge that God wants us to have, it's an accumulation of truth. It's, it's getting more and more. When I read through uh, those Proverbs for those two and a half years, what was happening is I was accumulating 
into my mind. I was, I was putting into my mind and my heart truth. And so that's knowledge, you, you know, where you get to the, where you know uh, that Proverbs chapter 1, you know kind of what it says because you've read it so many times or you looked at it over and over. Hi, Ms. Jordan, how you doing? Good to see you this morning. And, uh, and so knowledge, the accumulation of truth. And again, just always, you know, when you look at that definition, that is a, the scriptural definition when you're looking at scriptural knowledge. Because honestly, the world's knowledge is a it's 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 a dangerous thing. Uh, the world's knowledge puffeth up because it's like I've got a lot of information in my mind, so I must be better than you because I know more about more things than you do. Uh, that's that's just uh, that's worldly knowledge. No, uh, the second word we're going to mention is is the word understanding. Understanding. Now. To me, the best definition of understanding here in the book of Proverbs is the mental grasp of that truth. You know, there, again, there's a lot of people that, that have a lot of information, even truth in their heads, but they don't really know what it means. They don't grasp what it means. And I, I'm not going to say that I grasp everything in the Bible, but, but, that, but there's something that I believe is very important, and that's we got to have an understanding of the information that we have, the truth that we have. Do we really understand it? Do we understand what God's saying? The, um, I gave this illustration probably already a long time ago, but, but I keep feeling for my ring, and I realize I don't have it on there. My hand was so swollen up, I, I took my best opportunity to get it off, and I uh, finally worked it off or it just swole up all around it and, uh, and, never, and forgot to put it back on. But, the, um, but uh, there was a fellow, honestly, that I worked with, and, and uh, he was always talked about that he knew the Bible better than anybody else, and, and, uh, and, and he probably did. They talked about the fact that he'd spent 8,000 hours studying the Bible, and he was going to write his own um, uh, not his own Bible, but, you know, uh, a um, commentary of the Bible. And, and so uh, uh, he was he really a very knowledgeable fellow, still is, very knowledgeable fellow. But he had a tendency to take verses, and because he was more knowledgeable than everybody else, a lot of people kind of gave their will, so to speak, over to him, and he had, but I had a tendency that he would, I feel, you know, he would misconstrue some verses. Uh, you know, and, and it, well, I'll just give you an example. He said that, um, you know, Scripture talks about the fact that if something's commonly reported, it's true. And so he would, he would teach that anytime you hear something that, that a lot of people are telling you the same thing, then scripturally, you know that's true. I, uh, I, I sat down with him for about an hour one time, and I said, I said, you know what, if we took this to law, you know, to what you're saying, uh, all you would have to do is go get a bunch of people, and you tell them what you say you saw, and they all go in and testify that they, what they say you saw, and you could get somebody convicted under this basis uh, you know, when, when really maybe nobody saw anything, but they all heard it. And what I used to, used to do, and I won't do it today, uh, what I used to do is to teach this to the kids, I would bring up a guy, and uh, I'd tell everybody in the class to bow their head. 
And then I would have that boy beside me slap himself. And so he would have a red mark, and I would tell him all this. He would have a red mark on his cheek, and when I'd tell them to raise their heads, he would be looking at me like, why'd you do that? So I would ask, i say, okay, how many of you think I slapped him? Well, it was usually at least half the class or more would say, raise their hands. Well, obviously you did. He's got a red mark on his cheek. He's holding his face, and he's looking at you. Well, you know what? If I had not showed them or got him to tell them the truth, everybody in that room could have walked out and said, Brother Hooker slapped that guy. That's commonly reported. But that's not scripturally commonly reported. And I would teach them. I'd say, commonly reported. I would say, okay, now everybody look up. And I would not do it hard, but I would slap him. You know, just. And I would say, okay, now, what happened? And everybody in the room would say, you just slapped him. And I'd say, okay, now, and you know, that's commonly reported. That's scripturally commonly reported. That's when many people witnessed the same thing. And so then that's what God's saying now. When it's commonly reported because it's been commonly witnessed, then that's true. But just the fact that a lot of people say it, that does not make it true. We hope it doesn't because we all probably at some point in time have had something said about us by people, and maybe many people, and the sad thing is when one person says it, then another person repeats it, then another person repeats it, and another person repeats it, uh, it gets, it usually doesn't get better, it usually gets worse, and by the time, you know, and they, well, man, all these people are saying it happened, it must have happened, no, that means nothing. So, uh, that's why it's important that we have knowledge, but we also have a real grasp of what God is saying in that, a mental grasp of that truth. That's understanding. And then you have the word wisdom. Wisdom is the primary word in this whole book, uh, a book of wisdom. So the, the wisdom is the application of that truth. So knowledge is we know the truth. Understanding is we have a grasp of that truth. And then wisdom is we're able to apply that truth. That's when we become wise. Knowing the truth doesn't make us wise. Applying the truth does. Understanding how to apply that truth and then applying that truth, that's wisdom. That's living by wisdom. God's, and so uh, that's really the, the primary thing. And God does this in chapters 1 through 7. You see God, does that, God uh, has a comparison of wisdom and folly. God says in chapters 1, through seven, is God talks about wisdom. He talks about folly. He compares those two things, and he talks about the you know one's good and one's bad. And of course, wisdom is is what we're seeking for, and folly is what we want to avoid. Uh, chapters eight and nine is a praise of wisdom, is where God just praises the wisdom. He just said, "Okay, you got these two options: wisdom and folly. Which one are you going to take?" Then he praises wisdom, and then in verses. Uh, 10 through 15, you have, again, wisdom and folly contrasted, uh, you know, it's, and so uh, it so goes into an even more deep uh, contrast of, of these two uh, thought processes. 
And then uh, verses 16 through 31 are really just practical wisdom. You go through these 16 through 31, and God says, okay, we've clarified, we've got wisdom, we've got folly. Uh, and really, uh, I guess verses 1 through 7, even more than a contrast, because you get, the, you get the in-depth contrast in 10 through 15, 1 through 7 would be almost a God, a calling to wisdom, a calling to folly. And there's the world's calling the people to folly, God's calling people to wisdom, and so... Um, so you have those, that's, that's kind of the basic of, of Proverbs. Now, here's a, the, the lesson this morning is, how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? And, and uh, the, different people teach different things, but I teach basically that there are five ways in which we get wisdom. Five ways that we, in which we get wisdom. And number one, the, most, the primary way is the Word of God. Get wisdom from the Word of God. Uh, and so that's why it's so important to read and reread the book of Proverbs. But it's truthfully to read and reread the entire Bible because all of the Bible has given us wisdom. Proverbs is just that book that just centers and functions, you know, uh, greatly around wisdom. So then you have, um, and of course, you know, I'd even challenge you, you know, you don't have to do it for two and a half years. You don't have to do it. My preacher uh, when he was asked, you know, I heard this 20 years ago. Of course, he's been in heaven for, I don't know, almost 20 years, I guess, or something. I don't know, I, about 15 years, I guess. But, um, but, but he was asked, and he gave us this illustration that he said, a man asked me when he got through in one of these meetings where he would have a bunch of preachers asking him questions, and the man asked him, where do you get your wisdom? You know, you, you're, you, know you seem to have God's wisdom. And he said, he, without hesitation, he answered and said, I've read through the book of Proverbs every week for 40 years. And that's when it challenged me, you know, and again, I've not done it for 40 years. Uh, I've not even been saved for 40 years, I don't think. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess I have, 41. But, uh, but I've not done that. But that he said that the book of Proverbs, reading through it was so important. Now, through the word of God, we get wisdom, and we get knowledge, and we get understanding. And, and 2 Timothy says, and, and study to show, 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that really is wisdom. Rightly dividing the word of truth is, is wisdom. And so the, the primary way to get wisdom is the word of God. And, and the, if we're going to start and we say, I, I just don't know where to search through, or it takes me a whole year to read through the Word of God. That's why it's so important that we read the, the Proverbs. And say, well, like, boy, if I read through the uh, Proverbs every, every week, then that's going to be pretty much all my Bible reading for the, for the day, because uh, most people, if you read the Bible, you know, if you read the Bible through, you read about three to four chapters a day. Um, if you read the book of Proverbs through in a week, you will read three and a half chapters a day, uh, basically. So what do you do? Or at least read through it in a month because Proverbs 31. Proverbs, you got 30, 31 days in most, most months. You read through it in a month. And so, but get wisdom from the Word of God. And now, wisdom is the application of the truth. So when truth, when you get truth from the Word of God, you got to allow it to change you. You got to allow it to direct you. You got to allow it to to let, let it make your decisions. Uh, so much of the world and so much of Christianity decide what they believe, and then they go to the Bible to prove it. 
But that's not the way you, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is, is going to the Word of God and saying, tell me what to believe. Let the Word of God tell me what I should believe. And so, here we go. And uh, at number two, number two, because my time's going to run out. Number two is walk with wise men. You know, you need to seek out people that you believe have wisdom. And walk with wise men. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so it's very important that we walk with wise men. I, I, the, that fella that had a tendency to, that I felt had a tendency to kind of lose the, the, he had so much information in his head, but he, just the, the truth of that information I wasn't his enemy. I was never against him, but I, I did not spend a lot of time with him because he would affect me. He would influence me. Um, truthfully, eventually, he left uh, working, you know, back in 1990 or something like that. He left working at the college, and six other fellows followed him. Uh, six other staff members followed him and went, went with him, and basically because they felt like he knew the Bible so well uh, he was, you know, he just, he had that, they kind of gave their will over to him. And so uh, you have to be careful who you spend time with. But, but if you want wisdom, you walk with wise men. Uh, it, it, if you walk with the wise men, the scripture says you shall be wise. You get counsel from wise men. You read the writings of wise men. And, and we've written some books, and I love for people to read those books, but I I really emphasize that you ought to spend the majority of your time reading people that are dead. That's what I would do. You see, because if they've written their books and they've gone on, you can look at the whole of their life and now say, was what they were saying really wise? Because there's... Uh, I was uh, reading a book the other day, and a guy, uh, it was on child rearing, and, and he wrote, and he had some, some, some pretty creative views, and he was pretty absolute about how you should rear your children. And then till, till you got about chapter three, and you found out that his children were all small. Well, the, those ideas may be great. It's like this. Anybody know Chris Teff? Well, a few people do. Chris Teft is insane. Um, but, but Chris Teft, uh, he taught junior high for years. And, uh, and he said that people would come to him all the time and wanting counsel about their junior hires. And he, was, he said I, he would always look at them and, and say, well, my, both of my girls are in grade school right now, so go ahead and ask me because right now I have all the answers. Well, that's because as soon as yours get to junior high, you're going to find out that most of your answers probably were wrong. Uh, because it's not until you go through that phase that somebody can come to you and say, okay, what did you do, right, both right and wrong? Uh, that, that's kind of the way we, we did when we, our faith and family ministry. We go and say, okay, when we're talking about child rearing, let's, these things seem, now we look back, these seem to work. Now that we look back, those things didn't. And so you can learn from us both ways. There's, just don't even bother doing this one because that one don't work. This does. And so 
Wise men, you read the writings of wise men, and you can really know that somebody was wise when they get to the end of their life, and it was wise. The decisions they made were wise. And just to help you, uh, how, you say, how do I know if somebody's really a wise man? Do they base their decisions on the Word of God? It goes back to number one. Are they making their decisions based on the Word of God? And so get around older, wiser Men, watch and observe the ways of wise men. Uh, you know, we think sometimes it's always got to be from a class or something to read, but, but if you have an opportunity to be around someone who's older and has wisdom, you just observe. Observe their actions. Observe their decisions. Observe their way. You know, just watch them and try to find out how did they get to where they are? How did they survive to this point? How did they make it? In their life. All right. Um, number three. Number three, to get wisdom, you get wisdom through prayer. So we get wisdom from the Word of God. We get wisdom from wise men, walking with wise men, which is spending time with being with wise men. Number three, you get it through prayer. That's James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally. And upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This is a promise. I believe it's a promise of God. And he says, if any of you, so that means any of us, anybody in this room that likes wisdom, if, if we'll ask God, God says he will give it to us liberally, which means all the wisdom you need, I'll give it to you. He said he upbraideth not, means he does not hold back from us. He won't hold it back. Uh, and, of course, he can't. If he's going to give us all we need, he must not be holding back from us. But he will, he will give us all we need. He will upbraid. So wisdom comes through prayer. So we get wisdom from the Word of God. We get wisdom from wise men. We get wisdom from prayer. Uh, we just ask God for it. Ask God for it. Now, the way I believe God gives wisdom mostly is when we ask him for it, then he directs us to the Word of God. He directs us to some scripture that we've been studying, some knowledge that we've accumulated. He directs us to it. He clarifies it in our minds, and then we're able to apply it because now we understand it. Uh, you know, sometimes anybody that reads the Bible very much or seeks God to direct them, you'll come to a point, you maybe have read something a thousand times, and now all of a sudden, bam, it's just like light bulbs come on and and God shines a flashlight on that scripture and think, wow, how did I miss that for so long? Well, it's just God didn't unload it all on us all at once. He just wants us to keep digging. It's kind of like um, digging for gold, I guess, digging for jewels. You know, you just, they're hidden down there. You just got to keep digging. And just the fact that you found one doesn't mean there's not more down there. So just keep digging in the same hole and you'll just keep, you'll keep finding something. And so... Uh, so that's the third way. The fourth way is to listen, is to listen. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, Proverbs 1, 5 says, a wise man will hear. A wise man will hear. God throughout the scripture says, let the, him that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the, what the Spirit saith." Um, <clears throat> so if we're going to get wisdom, We've got, to, we've got to open up our spiritual ears. We've got to be willing to hear. And, th and that means we can't just be closed-minded and say, I know it all, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, this, there's nothing else for me to learn. Uh, then, we, then we stop. 
we stop growing. You know, I told some, uh, some young people a long, long time ago uh, that, you know, if I differ from another man that gets up and teaches or preaches, you know, the young people, uh, here's what they started to do, you know, at the college, and that was probably 25 years ago, but I watched them because they had a series, we had just, just God allowed it to happen, I think, but a series of men that got up to preach in chapel, and, and one of them, not knowing what the other one said, uh, you know, they kind of contradicted each other, seemed to. And so, the, it, what I started seeing in the kids was, okay, if this great leader, or this guy says this, and this guy says this, and this guy says this, well, they all just kind of come to their own decisions, so if they do, then I can too. And I would tell them, no, they didn't all come to their decision. Every one of those men came to a decision he believed was based in the Word of God. You say, well, then how can it be different? Because every one, oh, my, my son-in-law uh, he's probably preaching about it this morning. He was so fired up. He went to, went to Africa with me, and he was walking out praying, and he, he kept seeing these coconut trees, and, you know, they're pretty high. You know, 20, 25 feet up there, you got coconuts, and he wanted to consume coconuts. And, uh, and, but more than that, he's an athlete, and he just thought, you know, if those Ghanaians can climb up those trees, uh, then he could climb up those trees. Well, he did climb up at about three feet. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the way we climb, it's very painful trying to go up a coconut tree. Those things got ridges and everything. And, well, we lap our arms around it. Because I told him, I said, he said, I, he, don't you think I can climb the tree? I said, yeah, I think you can climb a tree. You can't climb a trunk because that's all it is. There are no limbs. It's just straight up until you get way up there and then there's, then there's limbs. And so I said, uh, because the way they do it, you're not going to do it. I would not do it because one slip and we're coming out of that tree because they wrap their arms. You, you've seen the guys go up the light poles with the ropes, you know, and, and the spikes. Well, they do basically that. They just don't have the rope or the spikes. They wrap their arms around the tree and they put their feet against it and they walk up it like that. And then when they get up there, somehow they hold themselves in the tree while they get coconuts out of the tree. And I'm thinking, okay, even if you got up there, we're all going to have to just gather around here and try to be, you know, just a cushion for you when you fall out. So he decided, you know, he's going to grab hold of it like we would climb the tree, just wrap your arms around and then start, you know, work your way up. Well, that thing's just scraping him all to pieces, and I knew. And so, uh, uh, but when he was out there, he kept looking at that coconut, coconut tree that came in one day. He said, man, God just taught me something. So we're all just, okay, give it to us. And he said, on those, up there in those coconut trees, on the same tree, there's different stages of growth. He said, there's some coconuts that are completely ready. He said, some are not even this big. There's different stages of growth on the same tree. And man, he got all fired up about it. He said, that's, that's what our people are. That's what we are. He said, we're all at different stages of growth. And that's what I taught the kids a long time ago in his class. I said, the fact that they differ or we differ in what we're preaching, it does not mean that we didn't get it from the Word of God. It means that we are at different levels of spiritual growth, different levels of understanding at this point in our life. And I told him, 
you know, you got this guy that believes this, and you got me that believes this. I can say, or I, we're both here. You know, we believe these two different things, and we're, we're different. Ten years from now, he may believe exactly what I believe, or ten years from now, I may believe what he believes because I may have grown. He may grow. We're just, we're not, it's not I just choose whatever I want. I just do whatever I want because it seems like everybody else is just doing whatever they want. No, you base it on the Word of God. Why do we differ? Because we're at different stages of growth. And give me some time and I may, you know, one, one fella, you know, and I used it as an example back then, he, he, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't believe in, um, oh, well, let's see, what was that? I can't remember which way it was. I think it was wire rim glasses. He didn't believe in wire rim glasses. And somebody looked at me and said, said, how could he believe that? I mean, that's not scripture. I said, look, I think the man's an incredibly good man. I think he's basing it somewhere in the Word of God. And I told him, I said, look, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I may not believe in wire rim glasses. I don't, I don't have a problem with them right now, but I may not believe that then. So because I may grow. But the fact is somebody, it's not just always, here's our assumption, it's always, well, that's just what they want to believe. That's not necessarily the case. We may be just at different levels. All right, Uh, and I went past time. Let's see. The last one is just receive. Proverbs 1.23 says, Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. We can get wisdom when we receive the correction of God. And our time is up. We got about 17 minutes before uh, the next session. Next session. <laughs> I'm back at Faith and Family Conferences. Here you. No, <laughs> for church service. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. No, I don't. It, it, it reacted a lot like a black widow. I've been bitten by a black widow once before and reacted a lot like that. Same, but just about all spider bites make a circle, an infection. So. Oh, yeah.